Puff the magic dragon lived by the sea. Ah, what the? I don't even know, man. It's not. What was that? Where did that song even come from? Why am I? I don't know. Anyway, welcome to today's show, everybody. Rob here. And uh, today's episode is going to be pretty sweet. Talk with Michael Unbroken. Uh, Google his name and guaranteed he's going to find you. I cannot talk today. Guaranteed you are going to find plenty of information on this guy along with his amazing podcast. If you're struggling with a problem, I don't know, shut up, phone. Let's say too many people contacting you and you feel overwhelmed. You feel like you need some time alone and you're not really sure what to do. He's got an episode for it. Got some parents that uh, give you a bunch of shit and you need to figure out how to create a healthy relationship. He's got an episode for that. On top of being extremely insightful, the guy has an amazing past of uh, overcoming plenty of adversity. I'm going to throw this phone out the window because trying to do this and Michael was an amazing guy. He was able to convey his message to me of helping and healing and that's all that he wants to do is be a source of light so for me just getting a chance to sit down have a conversation with this guy hear his past and uh, talk about some of the guests he's had on he's had the world's brightest minds in the field of psychology as well as trauma. So please enjoy your time with Michael Unbroken. Thank you for listening. Follow me online. I am Rob Child. Support the podcast, like the episode, and make sure you are subscribed. That's the intro, and here's the show. All right, yeah, and we're good. But yeah, a lot of people will come on with uh, like just their phone or anything the audio is really bad so it's nice that you got a, a nice mic we can make sure that the listeners get a, a good quality show yeah. so uh speaking of the show uh we have started um uh, so today i have michael with me he's um huge in the podcasting world you have how many episodes do you have right now um of my own shows close to 400 and then as a guest we're approaching like 300 so a lot Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of hours on a camera, man. So, all right, cool. Um, yeah, so you've kind of listened to a couple episodes on the show. And uh, why don't you just go ahead and uh, kind of give my listeners a little intro to, to who you are and kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, well, you know, today I'm an author, speaker, coach, best-selling book, award-winning podcast, you know, spoken on some of the biggest stages in the world. Um, blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, you know, I'm just here to serve and to help people who have been through traumatic childhood experiences, learn how to get unstuck and love themselves. And, uh, and that's the mission. That's the thing that drives me every day. Nice. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta be honest. I stole your email. Um, I was on Facebook on, on a, uh, podcasting group. And I saw that you had put something on somebody else's, like a comment of, hey, this is what I do. This is who I am. You know, here's my email. Reach out to me. 
And, you know, just through listening a couple episodes, I'm sure you picked up, I basically live in childhood trauma. Um, I've listened to quite a few of your episodes, and it seems like you'll ask these questions of, do you react this way? Are your thoughts along this pattern? And I'm just like, shit, this guy knows me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had to get you on. Um because a lot of times I'll, I'll speak to like fighters or uh, other athletes and stuff, and we don't always get exactly kind of like how people are getting fixed and whatnot. And so speaking to you, it was it's something that I've been looking forward to because you actually dive into why we act this way and everything. Um, but with the fighters, there's normally a reason why they fight, and so with a podcast like yours, there has to be a reason why you started something like that. So that's kind of what I'm interested in is kind of how you started the podcast and what was really the, uh, the start, like the catalyst for it, I guess, like your life before the microphone. Yeah. I mean, look, dude, causation and correlations, everything in life. And if you want to build a life, create a life, change your life, get unstuck, learn to love yourself, heal, whatever it is, like you have to understand how you got fucked up to begin with, right? And and that's the thing a lot of people really fail to sit in because it's scary, it's hard, it's uncomfortable. There's a lot of shame and guilt associated with it. And look, here's the truth. I mean, from a research and, and statistical perspective, on average, 83% of people have had an adverse childhood experience. That could be parents getting divorced, someone in the family being suicidal, someone getting arrested and imprisoned, someone, you know, family not taking care of you when you need to go to the doctor. Uh, of course, there's the other shit, mental, emotional, physical, religious, and spiritual, and sexual abuse. Like, those are all part of it. And so chances are you're not coming through your childhood unscathed right? You got your home shit. Maybe there's bullying. You know, there, there's a lot of fighters, especially, I mean, shit, Rose Namajunas, Justin Wren, you know, the list goes on and on. These folks who were bullied, who then stepped into fighting and we stepped into fighting as a way to protect ourselves. That's why I started wrestling when I was 11 years old, right? Because I was like, oh, if I learn how to wrestle, then I'll be able to defend myself. And that's how I end up going, you know, doing Muay Thai and jujitsu and stuff like that. But it's always mm-hmm. causation and correlation. And so the, the podcast for me started because I, I realized like as I'm growing this mission, as I'm building this thing that I want to do and creating change in the world and ultimately ending generational trauma in my lifetime, it, it reali- I realize it's got to be through education and information because without this podcast, when we are in a time where people can consume information like this, it feels like a huge miss. And I'll be honest, my background is digital marketing and advertising. So I know how to play in this arena. I mean, that's why I have one of the biggest shows in the world, but it also has to do with the fact that like I kill myself over creating that content. Right. And I have an amazing team behind it who helps us make it grow every single day. Um, And then the amazing guests who come on, but like all of it again starts somewhere. So when I was young, I grew up in Indiana. I grew up in Indianapolis specifically in the city. And, you know, my mom was a drug addict and alcoholic. She actually cut off my right index finger when I was only four years old. Right. So that's, that's baseline, man. She married my stepfather who was a drug addict and alcoholic too. I mean, he'd beat the shit out of my brothers and I, like he would literally wake us up in the middle of the night and kick the shit out of us for putting away dishes that were wet. 
Like, think about <laughs> that for there. a second. And this dude's like fucking six foot four, two fifty, right? Who beats up children. Mm-hmm. And, and then you realize like the reality, and this is one of the hard parts of it, like hurt people, hurt people, right? Healed people, heal people. And so we're going through all this chaos. And when I'm eight, this is when it really starts to get gnarly because my mom's in and out of rehab. My stepdad's over the road trucker. He's gone for weeks and months at a time, sometimes not months, but definitely weeks. And we were getting evicted from our house. We were getting our lights turned off, power turned off, water turned off. I lived with 30 different families between eight to 12 years old, getting bounced around place to place to place, you know, strangers, people from church, friends of friends, grandma's house, fucking sometimes we'd sleep in our car, right? It was crazy. And when I was 12, I'd been living by myself in this abandoned house because my mom was in rehab. She had just ghosted. Nobody knew what happened Mm -hmm. to her. My stepdad and her had gotten divorced, so he's out of the picture effectively. And for six weeks, I'm showering at school, eating at school, stealing food from the Big Lots at the court. Big Lots is like Kmart or whatever, by the corner of my house. And, you know, some of this like five, six weeks go by and my grandma finds out and she actually takes me eventually she adopts me and you know to some extent man that's like a godsend right uh, but my grandma's an old racist ass white lady from a town in tennessee you never heard of <laughs> and i'm biracial i'm black and white so imagine the fucking identity crisis that comes with that and so i just started doing drugs and at 12 years old i got high for the first time started popping pills smoking weed anything we could get our hands on i did and then by the time mm-hmm. i was 13 i was getting drunk all the time And at 15, I got expelled from school. So I'm selling drugs. I'm breaking in houses. I'm still in cars. I'm getting shot at by the cops. Like, dude, it was some movie shit. Like, it was craziness. My best friend's dad's beating the shit out of him every single day. His brother's getting arrested. We're doing doing stuff I can't even say to this day because it's probably so illegal I'll get arrested right now. And, (laughs) And, you know, the thing about it is it just was normal. Like, that's the world we lived in. Mm-hmm. And and one day I get a call from the school and they're like, hey, the dean wants to talk to you. And I'm like, what the fuck for? Like, I'm already kicked out. They're, what do we got to talk about? And my grandma's like, you need to go to that school and see what they want. So I go to school and I'm sitting in the library and guidance counselor and this woman I've never met come and sit down with me. And they're like, we're going to we're going to give you an opportunity to join in this last chance program. And so they tell me about it, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, you got to go see the dean and tell him what you want to do. So I'm sitting in his office and he, dude, he goes, look, man, this is the only opportunity. It's this or you're going to end up in prison. And I was like, yep, he's probably right. So I got in the last chance program and simultaneously or in parallel, I should say, um, I actually put Mm -hmm. a restraining order on my mom. And so I went down the courthouse, put a restraining order on my mom put a restraining order on my stepdad and no bullshit. My report cards on the fucking internet. You can see exactly what I'm about to say. As soon as I did that, I started getting straight A's. I got straight A's captain of the wrestling team on the football team, on the baseball team, dating a head cheerleader. Like it was completely different life. And for a couple of years, life was pretty good. And then my grandmother let my mom, who had been sober for the first time ever, I'd never known my mom to be sober before, let her move in. And within a month, 
My mom was back to drinking and popping pills, crashing her car, drunk driving, chaos, right? And now I understand it because I'm in this world I ex- all the time. I'm, I'm learning. And she was in the place that she was triggered. She was in this place of her abuse. And so what happens? We go to our coping mechanisms. We go to the things that make us feel safe. And, and that's what she did. And you can watch on this report card again. It's on the fucking internet straight F's and I end up not graduating high school and I go to summer school and my, my summer school teacher basically just says, here's your diploma. Good luck. Get the fuck out. We're done with you. And I, I was like, I don't know what to do because my plan was to go into the military but my senior year wrestling, this kid shot a single, destroyed my right knee, and even though I rocked the ASVAB, I couldn't pass MEPS. And so that was my whole dream. I, I didn't know what to do from that point. And, and I was just stuck, man. I was like, fuck. All right, well, I guess I got to get a job, right? And so I go get a job working at a warehouse, putting microchips into motherboards, every day for 12 hours just watching the desperation in people's eyes man like that was the lowest for a lot of people like you see these folks and you're like they're never getting out of this and Mm -hmm. i i got fired rob which is awesome because it it probably is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me and it's probably because I was stoned too. Like, I'm not going to lie. And so I'm, (laughs) I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my car and I'm like, man, what the fuck, dude, what is happening? Like, what am I supposed to do? I have no mentors. I have no leaders in my life. There's no adults that have any substance around me. And so I'm like, okay, hold on timeout. What's the solution for poverty, for homelessness, for abuse, all this shit I've been through for all the first 18 years of my life. And I was like, oh, it's money, right? Like what else would it be? And so I said, I want to make $100,000 a year legally by the time I'm 21. Now, and look, that legal part is super important because I got family in prison for life. I've been in handcuffs more times than I can count. And my three childhood best friends have been murdered. Like, dude, I knew where the fuck I was going. And so I just, I made that decision. I started learning skills. I landed a job with a fortune 10 company, no high school diploma, no college education, started making six figures. And you know, it kind of fucked my life up, dude. And, and I found myself when I was heading into 26, I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girlfriend. One of my little brothers said, never talk to me again. My friends all hated me because I was a monster. And I was like $42,000 in debt. Man, I'm making, I made a million dollars and I was in debt, right? And it's like, <laughs> that was my life. I was living into what everyone told me I was supposed to be. You're not good enough. You're a loser. You're fat. You're stupid. This is why your dad left you. This is why your mom's a drug. Like I was living all that shit, man. And, mm-hmm. and the day after the worst night of my life, I'm laying in bed, you know, I'm, I'm smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake and watching the CrossFit games. Dude, I'm fucking 350 pounds, <laughs> man. It's like, I did that at 305 actually. So dude, <laughs> same thing, same thing. Dude, yeah. Fucking rock bottom. The only way my life could have been worse is if I killed somebody, you know? And so mm-hmm. I, 
you know, for whatever reason I got up, I went, I looked at myself in the mirror in the bathroom and I remembered being eight years old and the water company had come and turned our water off. Right. And it's a blistering hot Indiana summer day. And I go in the backyard. I grab this little blue bucket. I walk across the street to our neighbor's house. And for the first time I stole water. And dude, I remember being like, when I'm a grown up, this will not be my life. And it wasn't in a lot of ways, right? But in so many ways, I was still that hurt, lost little boy. And as I looked at myself in the mirror, I realized I was not only breaking that promise to myself, but I was being everything everyone told me I would be. And in that moment, I asked myself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the answer was no excuses, just results. And that literally it meant no more fucking negotiating with myself, no more bullshitting myself, no more placating, no more being a chameleon for other people, no more not taking care of myself, quit drinking, quit smoking, quit eating fucking McDonald's 17 times a week. It was really like a, a coming to Jesus moment because I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. And, you know, 12 years later, man, here I am talking to you. So I know that's an excessively long answer to your question, but I, I wanted to create a lot of context because I want people to understand, like, we all start somewhere. And so, sure, like, I got this big podcast and shit now, but, dude, it, it all started with trying to fix my own life. Yeah, no, and that's actually the perfect answer so yeah it wasn't too long or anything it was it's the perfect answer because it does lay a foundation you know for for what you've been through and it's i find it interesting that uh a lot of people that have gone through pain tend to have the same stories you know i mean the details differ a little bit but the the subject matter still pretty much stays the same of like that chaos you know uncontrollable lifestyle and it just gets completely out of hand because i myself had to do that um i'm currently going through some parental things i listened to your podcast about uh if you have like toxic parents um and so i'm kind of going through that as well and uh i just recently had a car accident and so my I have a sequestered disc in two spots and so I'm kind of limited to what I can do and I'll, I hold a lot of my value in what I can physically bring to the table like what I can do for you you know like that type of thing and so having this has rattled my confidence and so going through your show and, and seeing that your your show is almost like a uh, a textbook of life you know if and I'm not saying it's like factual or anything um, but it's like hey if, if you've had a problem in this specific area here's my experience you know and you're not necessarily telling people what to do. You're just giving your experience and showing how you got out of it. And and for me, it's been it's been amazing. So I wanna I wanna thank you for that. First thank of you. all, uh, second yeah, second of all, is uh, how do you start getting out of all of that mentally? You know, like obviously time you can get out of it. And for those of uh, my listeners that haven't listened to your podcast, you have a ton of essentially geniuses on your show kind of helping walk through some of these scenarios. Um, so, I, yeah, I guess just if you could kind of get somebody an intro into your show, um, kind of what what would that look like? Because I know it's very encompassing of a lot of different areas. Yeah, look, I... I thought about this for a long time 
that the way that I wanted to create and design this show was in a way that if you found something that exists in the mental health space that you needed help with, that you could come over here and find it. I, I don't think there's anything at this point we have not touched base on. I mean, I'm sure there's something, right, from mm-hmm. mental health disorders, eating disorders, childhood trauma and abuse, mindset, entrepreneurship, money, child trafficking. I mean, building businesses, like everything, right? Like it, it's, I mean, I don't, I really cannot think of a subject matter we haven't touch right and so and there's more i mean god dude i've got a hundred episodes in the hopper right now literally that we we're up to 500 that haven't even seen the light of day yet so i mean there there's more to come but it was really yeah. about looking at and going okay how do i learn i'm an auditory learner if you sit me down with a, a a fucking piece of paper and a book and you're like, learn this, I'm screwed. I cannot learn that way. Mm-hmm. I need, I learn from having back and forth communication because I have to process stuff. And the way that I process it is I have to reiterate a question 37 times until my brain goes, Oh, I got it. Right. And so that, that made a lot of sense to me to step into the podcast world because listening to podcasts played a really, really pivotal role in this journey for me. So my, my mentor, Tom Bilyeu, started a podcast called Inside Quest, which then turned into Impact Theory. And it was an episode that he had with Tony Robbins. I mean, gosh, it must have been almost seven years ago now that like really solidified a lot of the things that was happening in my life. And then I just kind of like anchored onto that. You know, you fast forward now today, I've had Tom Bilyeu, Anthony Trucks, John Lee Dumas, Oprah's coach, Tim Story, Dr. Anna Lamke, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Judd Brewer. I mean, dude, you can name it. Like literally some of the greatest minds on planet earth have come on this show mm-hmm. because I was like, I need to learn from these people. And, 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 if, and, <laughs> yeah. if, and if I'm learning, then that means my audience is learning. And so that, that was really the foundation of it is just to give people tools from those perspectives. And then also everything I teach, dude, I have coached thousands of people around the world. I've, I've been able to sell tens of thousands of copy of my books. I've been able to speak on the biggest stages in the world and have business partners, you know, like billionaires, like Grant Cardone, like all that stuff has happened, but it all exists in the podcast. Like literally everything I teach is on that show for free. Because my mission's not to make money. My mission is to end generational trauma in my lifetime through education and information. And so real, real talk, it costs me money to run that show. It costs me money to put out an episode a day. It costs me money to put out 60 pieces of content a day. And, and it's all about one thing, like, does it move me towards my mission? Can somebody listening to this show have a moment where they're like, oh, man, he talked about what it's like when you have to negotiate the relationship with your parents. And I'm 36, 42, 50 years old and I'm trying to figure that out. Or, hey, he put out this show about having suicidal ideations and I need to figure that out. He put out this show about narcissistic abuse and how you navigate that. I need to figure that out. Right. And so it's so much just about teaching people all the things that I've had to learn. And I got huge blind spots, too, dude. I mean, there's so much I don't know but what i do know i'm like let me give to people yeah for sure and it definitely comes across that way you know it's it's very genuine information that you put out and the stories that you put out i'm just very curious as to like your childhood growing up through all of that kind of 
I guess I just don't really know how to phrase this. It seems like, you know, on the fly thinking is come and go at this time. Um, but going through everything that you went through, how much of that made it into your book? And then how much of that makes it into like your coaching um, from like the direct experience, you know, instead of like the analogous type phrases, but yeah. like a direct. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Um, so the, the preface of the first book, and I've written three books now. So the preface of the first book is uh, my story in a nutshell, effectively what I just told you. Right. And mm -hmm. that is because there's a lot there and you're going to be hard pressed to find something you don't relate to. Right. I mean, unfortunately, I'm not trying to be like the fucking king of childhood trauma, but it was pretty rough, bro. And so I'm like, if I share like the high level shit, people will connect. Um, as for the extent of it, like realistically, there are aspects of what happened that I witnessed that happened to me in childhood that I will never bring to the light of day outside of my journal, my coach and my therapist. And, and the reason why really? is because some of that stuff is so fucking dark, man. I just don't even want to put that energy into the world. Right. Because where we what we yeah. put out, sometimes it gets fed. Right. And, and, and maybe part of that too, is because I just haven't fully healed those aspects because they're bad. Like it's shit you don't see in your, in horror movies, kind of bad. Um, okay. but there's also this moment in coaching, especially if, if somebody is in, I generally do group coaching, but on the occasion I'll do one-on-one -on -one coaching and in those contexts, because they are very intimate and they're someone giving me their vulnerability. If I find that one of my personal stories in that journey that I maybe haven't shared publicly on the podcast or, you know, on podcasts as a guest or in books or whatever, or on stages, I may find it necessary to share that. And that's where that stuff will come out because that helps me bond and create trust and vulnerability with that person. So I can say, all right, this is the thing that happened to me that I relate to you about. Here's how I navigated. Maybe this idea here will help you be able to move through it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just, it's subjective, but I, I think that ultimately there's just some shit that doesn't have to be said. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I got a couple a couple kind of things on deck for that. One, go for it. Um, did you happen to go through like any 12-step programs, like AA, NA, things like that? I did AA, NA, SA, adult children. Like I did them all, man. And, and a lot okay, of it yeah. was about learning and trying to have mm -hmm. community. What's interesting is when I was, I think the first time I walked into an AA room, I was seven years old. And... I was in there with my mother and right. Yeah. And you know, I might've been eight somewhere in that window and, and you're just watching these people and just like soaking it in and, and my mom looking over at me and going, I'm here because of you. And just be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what the fuck? My, my mom was a bipolar, narcissistic, manic, depressive, kind of, you know, abused person who, didn't know how to navigate the human experience emotionally. Right. And so I can tell. Yeah. And so that comes in that, you know, so it's like, not only does she cut off my finger, but I got all these other things that happen. I'm like, so to be in those rooms as a kid, but then to go to them as an adult, 
I went for the first time to, I think I was 30 when as an adult, I walked into an AA meeting and I remember sitting there, you know, cause it's like a Saturday at like 7am and shit. They do it like super early. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. like drinking their coffee and shit. And I'm looking around the room a and lot I'm going, of coffee. a lot of coffee. Totally dude. And I'm looking around the room and I'm like, fuck man, a lot of this could have been avoided if their parents would have taken care of them. You know, so I, I've spent a lot yeah. of time in those rooms, just just assessing and learning and never quite. I'll say this for myself. I never quite felt the pull of the anonymous programs in the way that a lot of people mm-hmm. do, um, because I found a lot of resilience for me and connection came from like group therapy and, and especially men's group therapy, which changed my life forever. I, I don't think those rooms okay. carried nearly the same amount of weight. But it's different yeah, for everybody. I've, yeah, yeah, for sure. I've done it. I went to a rehab about four years ago, uh, May 15th to be exact. And I've been in and out of the rooms, have not relapsed or haven't relapsed yet. Amazing. You know, they teach you to say, they teach you to say yet. Um, but yeah, I had the, the same experience to where like I definitely seen how they had an impact, you know, and they give you a baseline, but I didn't see myself continuing to do that. But the reason why I brought it up is uh, you talked about like having some things that you never bring to the light of day, but in like AA and NA, they have the four step, you know, to mm-hmm. where you're supposed to write down, you know, all of your shit were you able to go through that pro like go through that process and work through it or is it just something you're keeping to your personal journal and no one gets no, it? Con- context the f- okay my my coach my journal and my therapist those are the people that know all the everythings what i'm saying in that was that it's not all public Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so clarity around that, because one of the things, and I teach my clients this all the time is like, when you're, when you bring things out of the darkness, light touches them and they lose their power. And, and that was the experience that I had because, and, and that's again, to the point of like, man, there is some shit that happened to me that just from a public perspective, I just don't see how it can help anybody. Right. But when I'm sitting and crying in my fucking therapist's office, you know, four years ago, seven years ago, decade ago, like I was able to make meaning of those situations. I I don't think there, my therapist and I have been together six years now. Now I have them on speed dial just to be frank, because I've done (laughs) so much work and I'm just like, dude, if I need something, can I hit you up? He's like, yeah. And so like, you know, every couple of months I'll be like, yo, I need a session every six months. I need a session, whatever. And, and that's really for me to assess and understand where I'm at if something pretty gnarly happens. But, you know, I, I just, I think that, that it is incredibly, incredibly important to find the right space to be able to share uh, that stuff that you're scared to share. Because when you, sca- when you share those things, the stuff that terrifies you because you feel shame or guilt or the potential for judgment of it, it's when you share those things in the right capacity. Let's be very clear because your friends ain't your therapist and they're not your coaches. Neither is your wife or your mm-hmm. boyfriend or your kids. Let's be very clear about that. And so, But sharing those things in the right capacity give you the ability to heal. Right. And give you the ability to address them and overcome them. And so, again, it's different for everybody, but there, there's not a lot. I don't think actually there's 
really anything major in my life that I haven't shared in my with my therapist or or with in group therapy especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there, it's it's going to be different. Everybody's different. Yeah, yeah. One of the great things that I think about uh, just in like diving into who you are, your podcast and everything is it it seems like so you said you went to like the AANA and to learn and it seems like you've taken what you learned and you brought it to the public. And the biggest part of that is the thing that I find that a lot of people miss in those meetings is the vulnerability aspect of it Um, to be. And from my perspective, um, in order to be truly honest, you have to be vulnerable. So to get to the truth, you have to be vulnerable as well and be willing to kind of put yourself out there. And that's it. That's a reason why I stepped away is having, you know, 50 people in a room. You're not going to have 50 people being vulnerable. You may have one, but that one could be, you know, afraid of saying something or whatever. So you're bringing that to the the general population and introducing, you know, like a new level of speech that a lot of people aren't aware of. And I can just kind of tell in just like talking with you, that's, you could probably walk down the street and have a group of guys hanging out on the corner and you could just pop right in and speak to them, you know, and, you know, there's no miscommunication to where you can also go into a boardroom and do the same thing. And that's not something that you see very often is being able to be that chameleon to where you can, you know, get the the support from the higher end to take it to the people that really, truly need it. So, so that's really cool that you're doing that. Um, yeah, I had something and then, and then I lost it because apparently yeah. concussions do that to you. Yeah, for sure. Well, and look, I, you know, a lot of that comes with, I had to learn how to navigate environments as a kid. Actually, let me say this first. Mm-hmm. I resonated a lot with what you just said about the anonymous groups and the lack of vulnerability when you're in a room of 50 people because that's entirely yeah. fucking reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. And that was actually kind of like the light bulb moment for me to be like, oh, I need to go to group therapy in a small, intimate setting. And so when I did that, that became a game changer, Right. Because that was mm-hmm. a room of massive vulnerability on, on all sides, because um, I felt the same thing in AA. Um, and, and so as as I was like looking at all the day to day aspects of childhood being in them, I learned how to read people because that's my superpower, okay. because I needed to know immediately whether or not somebody was safe and that becomes an autonomic response. It's a survival mechanism. Your brain brings us to play in a way to make sure that you're safe. And so I would learn, I could walk in the room, even to this day, within five seconds of meeting someone, my gut intuition will always help me. Like I learned how to listen to that deeply, right? Because look, here's what's really interesting. And I talked about this with Dr. Jed Brewer. So he, he has a TED talk that's had 10 million views. So this guy knows what he's talking about, okay? And so we're talking and I said to him, man, I think one of the things people need to understand is that your brain is lying to you. And he's like, yes, that's exactly right. And what that means is, think about this. The human brain serves one purpose, survival. That's it. It does not mm-hmm. care about anything else. All it does is, comp- is it 
takes all of the exposures to different stimuli that you have and it compartmentalizes them in ways in which it can go, is this safe or is it not safe? And if it's safe, well, then we can continue to do it. If it's not safe, then we need to remove it from our life. And so what happens is your brain functions in that aspect, right? And that's typically around your environment, around the stimulus of interaction with people and around decisions that you have to make, right? And there's always the fear element of it, which when you have to make a new decision or your new environment or your new people around new people, your brain says, no, 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 don't do that. That's scary and that's dangerous. But if you can learn to pay attention to your gut, like think about this, Rob, how many times in your life have you been like, a week after meeting someone, two months after making a decision, three days after you know this interaction, you go, fuck, I should have followed my gut. I should have trusted oh, yeah. my gut. You never wa- you've yeah. never <laughs> said in your life, I should have trusted my brain. Your brain's a liar. Yeah. Your brain's a liar, right? And that's not a my bad thing. My brain like, tries to kill me. Yeah, totally. Of course, mine too, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it's like trust your gut and being able to trust my gut and recognize the interaction with people is the thing that has kept me alive. Like no bullshit. And so I was talking yeah. to one of my very close friends, Gary Brecka. He's he's a research scientist. He's arguably the most intelligent person I've ever met in my life. And and he said something that just blew me away one night. He goes, Human authenticity between human beings is the highest vibrating and measurable frequency known to man. Apparently, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a scientist, but I can only go off of what he says and I trust him a lot. He says, you put people in a room together, the people who are being authentic connect the most. The people who are lying to each other are the furthest away. And that's because our gut is built to help us navigate authenticity. And when someone's, because our brain can get tricked. You get tricked by advertising, by marketing, by great slogans, by, you know, that certain specific person who shows up and they kind of look like exactly the kind of person you think is supposed to be in your life. And then you get to know them and you're like, oh no, right? And so Mm -hmm. your your brain- ex-girlfriend I've had. (laughs) Sure. I mean, you know, I think about that a lot. I'm like, I also played a role in that. But, you know, I you go- You go, okay, but wait a second. What did my gut tell me? Because I can promise you, dude, every fucking time I fucked my life up, I've been like, didn't follow my gut every time. Yeah. No, that's awesome that you're actually able to to vocalize that because a lot of people aren't able to do that or or be able to have those decisions. (laughs) So when you're going through these processes of like, uh, like group therapy, is it, I've never been into group therapy um, you know, or had a private coach or anything. So what does that look like from your aspect? You know, let's say I'm new and, you know, I'm wanting to, to kind of reach out to you to, to get some help. What exactly does that look like? Well, co- coaching is very different than therapy. Let's be clear about that. That's first and foremost. Okay. Therapy is very much a place to create a lot of baseline framework and understanding about past experiences. That, that's kind of the most simplified way I look at therapy. Therapy is about kind of your past, maybe a little bit of your present, but your present's often impacted by your past. And so, I mean, there's tons of modalities. I mean, you can go Gestalt, CBT, MDR. I mean, the list goes on and on about the modalities, modalities of therapy. Coaching 
is really about moving towards something. Like, like think about it. Like, you have a lot of people who are involved in MMA on this show. Well, all mm-hmm. those folks have coaches. You have a jujitsu coach, a striking coach, a grappling coach, uh, you know, nutrition coach, a diet coach, a conditioning coach. Like, you have all of these coaches. Why? Think about this for a second. What you know has got you to where you are. And that's as good as it's going to get until you work with someone who's been where you want to go. And then you hire them and you do what the hell they say and you watch your life be different, right? You know, think about Farah Sahabi. Look at the, or Winkle John. Look look at these Mm -hmm. guys, man. They coach legends. Why? Why? Because the people who are coachable will have a different outcome than the people who say, I can figure this out on my own. Right, Because the people who figure this out on their own, quote unquote, what they fail to recognize is that what they have figured out on their own has put them in the exact fucking situation they're in right now. And so when I'm coaching people, we sit down and I say, paint me a picture of the life that you want to have. And they go, this, 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 this. I'll give you a perfect example. One of my clients we were working with, when she came in, she invested the last of her money with me. And I said, what do you want out of this? Before I take a penny from you, before we ever do anything, what do you want out of this? She goes, I want to love myself. And I said, well, what's that worth to you? She goes, everything. I go, I'm going to ask you a question. And it's really, really important. I, and it's the same question, Rob, that I asked myself in the mirror over a decade ago, right? I asked her, I said, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And she goes, I will, I'll do anything that you tell me that I believe is going to make my life better. I go, perfect. You're ready. Because that is the indicator. And, and to her, loving herself was about a lot of different elements. It was about looking at the relationship she was in, the career she was in, the way she treated her body physically, mentally, and emotionally, and taking all of these aspects of her bringing them together to the forefront and saying, okay, let's first figure out how you are, how you got to where you are today. And then let's figure out how we get you to where you want to go next. And that's about the mindset shifts, the tools, the daily habits, the exercises, the, all the things that become uh, encompassing in this. And then the execution, because this is the biggest disconnect. There's a fucking gap between what you want and where you are at now. A coach hands you a roadmap effectively, right? And they go, okay, here's the thing. Okay, what do you want? You want the championship belt over here? Okay, you want to be the 185 champion? Great, here's how you do it. Ding, 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 right? The people who follow that roadmap, right, become the legends, your George St. Pierre's, your Tyron Woodley's, your, you know, whomever. It doesn't matter who they are, but the people who follow the roadmap who are coachable will get their championship. And the people who are like, I'll figure it out on my own, uh, many, many people I could name, they never even get close. And that's the same in life. And so when we sit down together, my number one goal is to move you forward. Your past is only just simply a framework for understanding how you got to where you are. And so we don't sit in it. We don't even really talk about it that often. Does it come up? Yeah, of course it comes up. But it comes up in this way where we're talking about, cool, can we assess it, make meaning of it, and then use that leveraged understanding of how you got to where you are to push you forward? 
but it's only the people who execute who find success. Because if you just listen to people all day long, you don't do anything, your life's not going to be different. And that's one of the really hard things for people. Like, think about this for a second. I started my journey 12 years ago. It'll be 12 years ago in October. 12 years ago. Every fucking day, I have to execute the game plan. Because I know I'll fall off. I know what will happen. I know where my life will be if I stop being coachable, if I stop learning, if I stop showing up, and I stop doing the things that I know I need to do. And so coaching is very much about that. It's the willingness to sit and it's not even necessarily about being humble or having humility, but just to put your hand out and go, can someone take my hand and help me? Would you rather walk down a dark ass tunnel by yourself right. or with someone yeah, who's no, one step ahead of you now. who has a flashlight um, who's it's been down actually that what road I've before. been looking for? So it sounds like you're essentially kind of taking a uh, like a mentor role and a sponsorship role and you're combining them with your experiences and yeah, no, that's exactly what I've been looking for because I've had a I feel like as a man, having a mentor is very important. Um, especially if you're kind of stuck in a rut for like for myself, I was stuck in a rut with a uh, nutrition. Um, so I I'm doing, I finished my major in uh, college in nutrition and thinking about doing this business and everything. So I reached out to, uh, to Jordy. He's a uh, Jordan Sullivan. It's a uh, Israel Adesanya's dietitian. Cause in my head, I was like, if I want to learn from the best, or, you know, if I want to be the best, I have to learn from the best reached out to him and created this really cool relationship to where we worked together for like six months and it just skyrocketed yes. anything that I knew, like all the information I got from college seemed to be not as important, you know? Um, so he definitely leveled me up. And so now I'm in this spot to where I'm trying to figure myself out, you know, gotten into a car accident. And so I'm going to be off of work for six months. And what can I do to, to kind of make myself a better version of myself? What can I do today to make tomorrow better, easier, and more productive. Um, so finding somebody like you is definitely kind of what I've been looking for. just didn't know it. And, and, and what I would say, man, is, is think about the words that you use, right? Probably more important okay. than anything else is the words that we use. A lot of people, the vast majority, 98% of people will use the word better, right? I want to have a better life. I want to have a better, blah, blah, blah. And, and I get that, but I've always asked myself, like, well, how do you measure better, right? Like, what does better actually mean? Whereas what I do is I think about different. Because okay. I can measure different. If I smoked a pack today and I didn't smoke a pack tomorrow, that's different, right? If I worked out today and I only did half of my workout because I quit on myself, how can I be different tomorrow, right? And and it's, again, it, it's subjective. You know, that lands with a lot of people and <laughs> yeah. it doesn't with others. But in my life, I've always thought, man, better is like having fucking food in the refrigerator. You know what I mean? That's that's. That's better than what I used to have, but I have food in my refrigerator every single day. That doesn't make my life better. 
what makes my life different though mm-hmm. is having a different variation of food, healthier food, more nutritious food, not toxic, poisonous McDonald's food. You know what I'm saying? And so, and, and this is just a mind trick that I've had to play on myself. I just go, okay, better feels improbable a lot of the time. Better feels like a measurement that I don't know how to like put a yardstick against. And so I've just always said, can I be different? Can I be a different version of me knowing this? And this is what's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Every day, Rob, you're a different Rob. You're not the same Rob you were yesterday. I mean, you are, but you're also not, right? Because maybe you wake up in a in a different mood. You feel different about the world. You had a different experience, right? And and I've always thought about this. If I'm measuring myself as, am I better okay. than yesterday? Then does that mean yesterday I wasn't good enough? And that's where people get trapped all the time, right? They start measuring their self-worth against where they were yesterday. Fucking yesterday's over, man. Yesterday's done. Five seconds ago, gone forever. Ever. I can never change it. And that's one of the things that I used to get stuck on, man. Mm-hmm. All the fucking time, I'd be like, I don't think I'm better. I'm not better than I was yesterday. And, and it just used to fucking drive me crazy. And then I was like, wait, what if I'm just different? Yeah. If I'm just no, no, different, no. would that change my life? Yeah, no, I, I like Sure it. enough, um, it's probably the most powerful thing. So Sorry, I just went on a tangent, uh, but I, one whenever more people thing, say that, it always comes to my I know mind. you got a extremely busy schedule. So the big, the biggest thing that uh, that I've noticed just in my you know transition from going back from my life to this new life that I'm creating is you had a podcast on it. I've listened to it three times. Is imposter syndrome. So it feels like you know I get stuck in that you know oh no I'm just this homeless addict you know like I'm this guy that. You know, his parents didn't even want him. There's no way that I can do this or do that. Or, you know, like imposter syndrome seems to pop up in everybody's life. There's no getting around it. How do you have any tricks to getting around it and not carrying that weight into that? down it's see imposter syndrome really comes from a lack of confidence in the thing that you're trying to do right and the reason you have lack of confidence in the thing that Mm -hmm. you're trying to do is because you haven't had mastery yet well well guess what the only way we ever get mastery anything you got to put in your fucking ten thousand hours right and so you can't put in your ten thousand hours (laughs) if you don't put in one hour people are always like man i i want to run a marathon i'm like you didn't even buy the shoes yet you know what i mean it's, it's, it's a lot about you got to start where you are and you have to turn off other people's opinions of you. We, we get so caught up in this idea that if I'm not great, if I'm not perfect, if other people see me struggle while I'm trying to build this mm-hmm. thing, then that means I'm faking it, that I'm, I'm not good enough, that I I'm, was a loser, to be a hockey that I'm an imposter. That, that was the thing. Yeah. But think about what did you want to do when, when you were a little kid? Like, what was your dream? Yeah, so think about that. 
for a long time, you were probably like, I can figure that out. I can figure mm-hmm. that out. I can figure that out. And then one day, adult reality sets in. Not your reality, adult reality. And that adult reality is all these people who want the quote-unquote best for you, or maybe they don't because they need to go fucking to therapy, right? They will go, oh, you know, Rob, you know, I know you want to be a hockey player, but, you know, it's probably not right. going to happen. You should focus on your studies, right? You, you should go and get a internship. You should go and get a certification to be a plumber, right? Whatever it oh, is, yeah. right? They always say that shit. Dave Grohl's the man. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a fucking rock star. Like, I wanted to be the drummer of Foo Fighters. That's it. That was my dream. And so, and so what happened is... You know, I bought a drum set with the first money I ever made out as a kid. I bought a drum set and then I end up getting into the band and I'm like playing in the school Damn. jazz band and I'm doing all this shit. And then one day my, yeah. my mom just sold it and she's like, you're never going to make it. And dude, gone like that. Fuck man. That was a dream. It was gone forever because she said I couldn't and I believed her because I was a kid and that's how I thought the world worked. And obviously today yeah. I'm not the fucking drummer of the Foo Fighters, but what I am is I am a rock star in a sense, right? And this is in my own head. Like it's how I can speak on stages in front of 10,000 people. It's how I can have this podcast. It's how I can go and be a guest on your show today is because I just go, this is my, this is my being a rock star because I made a decision that it, I don't give a fuck what other people think about me. And imposter syndrome gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller the more I do the thing because here's what's interesting like people come up to me all the time and they're like you're a great public speaker and you've won all these awards from speaking and you've been on all these big stages and blah 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 and I'm like yeah but motherfucker you weren't there seven years ago when there were two people at my workshop you know what I'm saying? You weren't you weren't there six years ago when there were eight people and then twelve and then fourteen and twenty five and a hundred and five hundred and then event like look if I was concerned with being an imposter, I never would have done the first thing. And people don't do the first thing because they're so concerned with being an imposter, which is effectively this. Shit. I'm scared to fail, so I'm not going to start. And that is a fucking truth that people have to sit in because people are more... Aff- Listen to this. It. This is really important. People are more afraid of success than they are of failure because the, because the moment you start to do the thing that you want to do, you're going to get more confident in it. You're going to get more successful at it. You're going to get recognized for it. People are going to take notice. You're going to feel good about it. You're going to grow confidence and self-esteem. And that's fucking terrifying because the only thing we've ever been told is this stay in line Raise your hand to take a piss, get good grades, go to college, get a job at the company, get the wife, the husband, the white picket fence, yeah. $500,000 in debt, be overweight, watch television, don't live your dreams, and shut the fuck up about it. And so if you want to change that, you have to step into the oncoming traffic. And if you're willing to navigate that, then I promise you the success Damn. of that finish line yeah, is I was hoping far for a, greater for pill, than you showing up every day correct. for a life you don't want to uh, live. 
Yeah, I uh, that's probably a good place to uh, to stop because I know you're you're pretty busy. But no, I'm I'm gonna have that to is replay the this and listen to everything you said and do a huge deep dive into your podcast and your books because um, you are the person that I've been looking for as like my next step. So thank you for showing up. I appreciate that. Um, why don't you go ahead and let my listeners know where they can find you? Because I guarantee you, there's going to be more people that are listening to this that are going to need to reach out to you than just me. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure, and thank you for the invitation. Um, I'm everywhere on social at Michael Broken. Um, you can listen to this. Yeah, man, and it's my pleasure, and thank you for the invitation. Um, I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken. Um, you can listen to the Think Unbroken podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. Just search Think Unbroken podcast or thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. And the first three chapters of Think Perfect. Unbroken, you can download right, just to I, get your toes uh, wet you if you're interested. Been, if you go to book.thinkunbroken.com. And uh, I will definitely be hitting you up in the future. So I will speak to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right, my friend. Thank you. And there we go. We got another episode down. Thank you, Michael, for coming on to A Fighter's Story, sharing your experiences and doing the best that you can to help out your community, my community, and bring those who are not a part inside. So I definitely appreciate that. And I want to uh, send everybody over to his podcast. It's the Think Unbroken podcast. You can find that everywhere. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. And keep going. The list is very long. But you can find him everywhere. You can also find me everywhere. I am Rob Childs. I'm sorry I've been switching stuff up, guys. I... Uh, I'm figuring this out. There, I, I'm not following a blueprint. I'm going the hard way and creating my own and learning by my mistakes by design so I know what works for me. Um, I do want to apologize for the little bit of like audio mess, mess ups that happened at the end of this episode. And I'm going to be getting a new mic. Um, trying to warm my voice up a little bit the mic that i'm using now is it's a great mic it's a usb mic it's just not something that that i feel like i need to keep using anymore my voice is a little bit sexier than you guys are hearing and need some sex appeal so that's coming up in the future very soon as well as a lot of other things so please follow me online i am rob childs you can find me instagram twitter Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, I don't know, all of them. Hit me up. Um, maybe you can come on. Maybe you know somebody else who would like to come on the show and show their, share their story. Or if there's a story that you would like to hear from someone, please shoot me an email at a fighterstory at gmail.com. You can hit me up anywhere. Uh, let me know what you want to hear. Or just tell me I suck and what I'm doing wrong because I need those too. I will not take it personally. I just want to get better. So thank you for your time and enjoy the rest of your days, guys. I love you.